0: think about the future. Welcome to Future of Marketing, presented by Tint, the world's most powerful user-generated content platform. Each week, we interview leading marketers to uncover their routines, strategies, and perspectives. With the latest in marketing, here's our host, Yvonne Aldaz. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Future of Marketing. Today, we have Alexandra Kushmanovic a social media manager at the World Health Organization. For those of you who don't know what the World Health Organization does, their role is to direct international health within the United Nations system. And they lead partners in global health responses. Just for a little context, the United Nations has about 193 countries. Is that right, Alexandra? Member States, yes. And and
1: WHO has 194. We are a special UN agency, as you said, for health.
0: Oh, awesome. Okay. So when I first approached you to talk about your role at the World Health Organization and what sort of campaigns you're working on, I was super excited that you agreed to be on the podcast. So first of all, just thank you so much for being here with us. I'm really excited to learn from you. And I'm pretty sure those listening are just as excited as I am. So let's talk about what the World Health Organization does. And I know I gave a little bit of an introduction, but am I missing anything that maybe you want to cover?
1: So maybe just to clarify what, what does that mean when we say United Nations Specialized Agency for Health our main we are evidence and science based organization so our main job is to provide governments our member states with recommendations on how to improve people's health whether that's emergencies or like pandemics like covid-19 that we are all experiencing or its non communicable diseases like cancer heart disease lung disease or a rare disease, or it's risk factors, or like improving physical activity, or it's the quality of air we breathe, or the quality of water we we drink. It's really wide range of, in a way, standards and recommendations that we provide governments with so that they can take further action policies and strategies to protect people's health in their own countries. I think any health issue you can think about WHO does work on it, collect data, collect evidence, work with scientists around the world to then guide the best possible actions to protect us all.
0: Awesome. No, thank you. It's just incredibly admirable to hear the work that you are doing over there. As social media manager, I can't even imagine how much work goes into planning all of these different campaigns. What does it really mean to be a social media manager at the World Health Organization? What does that look like for you?
1: So first, uh, I think for me, it's a big responsibility, but it's also inspiration because social media channels are providing us with opportunity to provide people all over the world with public health advice and information that all of us need on a daily basis within seconds with one click of course there are limitations in terms of how many languages we can cover how fast we can deliver all the information and knowledge or as i mentioned we're a science based organization so a lot of the content is really scientific or how we call it internally technical language so it's not some it's not always what we as regular people who are not scientists in the field would understand. So it's a part of translating those technical guidance, how we call them, into public health advice and language for general public. Again, it's very important that all of these information are correct, timely, uh, so that people can actually benefit from all that information that we're putting across our social media channels. As I said, we don't have space for errors because it's always about people's life, not only when it's COVID, but any other health issue. And on the other side, it is it is inspiration, as I said, as we do have possibility of reaching many more people way faster than that was the case.
0: That's a great response. And I, I, I went on your Instagram, for example, and I saw exactly that right there in action for COVID-19, just a quick example, if if you go on your Instagram, you'll see a lot of posts right now about the booster shot and COVID-19 and things you should know and stuff like that. And so when you're talking about like, there is no room for error, that adds a little bit of more pressure on social media managers like you. What I know in a previous conversation, you mentioned that the World Health Organization to communicate this message across multiple platforms. Can you give me an idea of just how many platforms that is more or less?
1: So in in terms of social media channels, we are present on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, we extended our presence to TikTok and Snapchat. We've been present for years on YouTube, on Pinterest. So these are the main accounts that that we are managing from headquarters, but in our structure, we have headquarters in Geneva, where I'm based and where I work. We also have six regional offices. We have over 150 country offices as well. So depending on the platforms that used by local communities, some of our country offices are, are present on WeChat, for example, in China or Reconnect in Russia. So there are some other platforms that are managed by my colleagues, either in regions or country offices and reaching
0: people uh, in local languages. Okay. Thank you. And I, I also noticed the, for example, LinkedIn, I know, I mean, like you mentioned, it's way more than just COVID-19 that you are trying to educate your audience about. It's, I saw malaria on LinkedIn recently. You did a QA and a and that was incredible. It's just all over. Every single social media platform has just a different uh, form of education and a, a way of consumption. So it's a lot of different formats that you need to consider when you're posting on social media. For context, for those listening, how big is your social media team in, like to be managing such workload? So
1: at the moment, we
0: were only two when
1: the pandemic started and we already had a big following. Uh, and uh, I think this is common for all UN agencies and public sector that uh, our teams are understaffed, not only when we look into digital communications, it's overall the Department of communications, and then also looking into technical. So that we have many programs led just by one person. So um, again, just putting a little bit of context that it's not that only social media team is small, It's across the organization, very common, unfortunately, but we have very talented people on the team with a different set of skills. Some are stronger in analytics, which is important because all our decisions are basically done listening and analytics. And we like to say that the social media is 99% listening. And not only for our social media decisions, but social media is very important listening tool in general for other communications or other strategic decisions on what is happening around the world and how to actually address people's concerns when it comes. So some are very talented in in developing content quickly uh, for different platforms. Uh, For example, Instagram stories or TikTok videos. We work very closely with audio visual team. We are two teams, and you mentioned, for example, that malaria live QA. We do live Q As with our experts very often. With them, we've done them for several years. But in in the pandemic, we we started weekly, regular live Q As on COVID nineteen, and how we do this. It's we monitor every day throughout the week all the comments and questions that we receive on our social media posts, and based on FAQs, we then decide what will be the theme of the conversation. We start a live and then in real time to comment section, we are again, we are taking questions from viewers and our experts are answering. And this is uh, deeply important to address concerns but also misinformation and rumors that are spreading. So people have direct access to, to, to our experts but then these sessions go up to one hour and it's too long for some, for everyone to watch it. So then we have people who are talented to pick what are the important bits to clip afterwards and then share further across social or relevant social media channels. So it's one example of a product that's been used in several ways or repurposed.
0: I love that you mentioned that because repurposing content is so important. I read a tweet the other day and it said, One piece of content is actually 50 pieces of content, right? Give or take, because it's true. You miss out on a lot of, I guess, engagement by not repurposing your content like that. Because like you said, some people have short attention spans or they don't have the time to sit there and watch an entire hour of a video. So you really do have to think about how do I turn my long form content into something that is more scannable or digestible, easier to read. So thank you for that. And I know misinformation is something very important for your organization. You have to make sure that you're providing the most accurate information to your viewers. So by have by allowing them to ask questions, you're closing that gap. You're making it easier for them to build trust with your organization and makes it easier for you to spread the right information. Yes,
1: Thank you. Yeah, this is definitely one of the one of the ways for us, and and also it's not just to tackle misinformation, but it's also the way to build trust, mm-hmm. because some of our experts like, like Dr. Mike Ryan and Dr. Maria Van Kukov have been the faces of the response, and they are there with the Director General every week in press conference for media. So people do see them on TV and in the newspapers, but now there is another. Le- level to that, they have direct access to those experts and ask what they are confused or concerned about. It's also building the trust with our experts and the organization. And actually, we need to build trust continuously before the crisis, during the crisis, and after the crisis.
0: This is one of the ways for us to do so. Definitely. And in your time at the World Health Organization, what has been your Either favorite campaign or the most or, or the top performing campaign that you've worked on?
1: So, I think in terms of scale, definitely campaigns in, in time of COVID are something that has had the reach that we haven't seen before. I think the first one that had very huge impact was Save Hands campaign. Uh, that was, I think, in May 2020. And we had our director general again talking about leading by example or building trust. Who did a video. Basically, he was explaining how to uh, wash hands properly. And we we kicked off the challenge asking people to share their videos. But we were nominating celebrities, influencers from political, but also from show business, singers, sportsmen, etc in a very short period of time that the save hands hashtag on on TikTok in particular was used I think over 2 billion times. And it actually was very successful campaign across different channels. So that was something first that went really on scale. And first big thing that we did on TikTok that is more on like TikTok style. We've had a similar challenge as well on wearing a mask. calling on people to wear a mask but also to do it properly because all of these measures that that we are providing or like advice it's important to do it right otherwise it's not effective. And now I think that there's quite a lot about uh, vaccine content and we've done in this year, some, a big thing that I worked on is on running some brand lift studies on our COVID vaccine content and preventative measures as well. And this was another level now on measuring the effectiveness of campaigns, especially we are in the second year of the pandemic. People are bored with us. They're bored with all the things they need to do. We all want to go back into new, not new, to go back to our old lives where we can um uh, celebrate, hug, uh, meet our friends and have no limitations on how we can stand far each, from each other, wear a mask, etc. So then it's more challenging for us to be continue being interesting and people really to come to our page and listen to our advice. So we introduced this measurement to see what's the effectiveness of our campaign. And uh, definitely what we learned is that the baseline knowledge uh, between december 2020 and now december 2021 has significantly increased when it comes to vaccines in particular which is if you look a short period of time for people to have way more information and knowledge about something but therefore even more cha- we are entering the next year of pandemic with uh, um, even higher challenge on how to make our campaigns effective but as i said analytics and measurement is really important for us and continuous improvement Outside of COVID, I think something that's dear to my heart is from a few years ago. I worked, I, I created myself a small campaign on Valentine's Day, putting together different public health advice around Valentine's Day, and including for those who are single and lonely, and some mental health messages, supportive messages, not just about safe sex and reproductive health and uh, and other health precautions but it was really interesting for me to do on something and it was well received by the audience and some other subjects that I really personally like to work on are mental health campaigns and the mental health is really a popular subject on social media and the reason I like to work on it it's it's not because of that but it's actually there are a lot of opportunities to get messages out there when there is high interest. Then you have more engagement and more listening and to make your campaign more successful. Or when I say successful, again, reaching more people with, with information.
0: I love that. And I, I, I mental health is a topic that is dear, near and dear to me. So uh, I know you work on a lot of different campaigns. So thank you for that response. I I think it's very interesting to hear just the breadth of topics and not necessarily diseases, but illnesses and all this that you have to teach and educate and have others engage. It's difficult to get that. So I'm curious to hear a little bit about what challenges you faced. Because, and, and and just kind of giving you a little bit of context here, social media is changing so quickly. Algorithms are always changing every day. It's something new. It's a new feature, uh, a new platform, something. What are some of the challenges that you face when dealing with some of these changes in social media?
1: So definitely uh, one of the challenges we have is pre-pandemic time and I'm calling it now for pandemic time, this has nothing to do with pandemic, but it's more (laughs) like in my my memory. We could use more of the same content across platforms and that the same infographic or tile or video is going to be successful across channels. And definitely now we need to adjust more and customize more for each of the platforms and with some content that's fine but uh, or with some platforms it's easier but with platform like tiktok that still remains a big challenge for us to get tiktoky style interesting videos because the content we provide is educational it's more serious it's hard to transfer it into something that's really fun And it's not necessarily always a call to action for people to replicate and do their videos. Mm -hmm. It's more like to to be that health voice on the platform with, with the advice. So I think this is something that we're still figuring out on how to make our more digestible for TikTok audience. And on the other side, we do have limitations in terms of skills and resources on the theme to produce for this platform in particular on a regular basis, like we do for others. Definitely. I think we, the other challenge we have is to have more of like community management on our channels, because the following is huge. The number of comments and replies are in thousands. So it's very hard to really do that two way communication and respond to everyone. So one of the ways we do that is with the live q and kind of summary of what people are asking and then find a way to, to respond. But in order to engage with your community, you need to do more. So this is another challenge we are facing. And definitely the audience that we have among followers are majority very young audiences. And if you look at WHO, that traditionally our number one audience are governments and ministers of health, policymakers, scientists, and beyond Twitter, they are not really our followers. So it's kind of that mismatch. I mean, we always want to communicate with the public, but it's more like in internal demands when our colleagues come to us, yeah, but we want to communicate to those people, yes, but they are not necessarily following us on all channels. So, it's as well that challenge how you meet all the targets, because not every product that we develop is for public audience. Some, as I mentioned at the beginning, are very technical for scientists, for policymakers. So it's as well measuring what is the right thing to post on, on social channels, but on the other side, meaning other target audiences.
0: No, yeah, that's definitely a big challenge. And not just for you, but I feel for the majority of marketers that. We did a study uh, last year, the state of UGC 2021. And in that report, we ended up finding out that over 72% of marketers uh, felt like they had more responsibilities than before the pandemic. So you can just imagine, and now we have TikTok, like you said, and it's a completely different monster that you have to create content for. completely different. But it does go back to the whole repurposing your content. We were talking about this earlier, how you can turn one piece of content into multiple pieces of content. but because you're creating content all the time, it is very difficult to go back and repurpose your content without that extra help. And I relate to that so much. Like I, I feel that it is very difficult and you do need to have your resources in place in order to do that because it's really hard to do that when you're a small team or one person and you were just telling me once upon a time you were just two people. So it's insane to think about such a big organization also facing these challenges that a lot of us are, are, are going through. Let's look at the last year or two years, right? We've been dealing with COVID-19. I know platforms like TikTok just came about and took over. So I'm just curious to hear about what you've learned in the last two years.
1: From a public sector perspective. One thing that's important to have effective social media presence is to have support from your leadership. And uh, we are lucky to have leadership that understands the power of social media, not just social media, but communications, but definitely social media. Our director general, Dr. Tedros, he's himself very active on social media. And he came when he got into his role, he already had understanding in, as he was himself. Being heavy user of of Twitter, for example. Because we, we, we still have a lot of bureaucracy in our processes and way of working. So for us having the leadership that explains the power of social media and having an occasions social media first approach on how we communicate is important because this is how, especially in the pandemic, this is the first pandemic in digital era We were all asked to stay in lockdown for months, for weeks, and the only way to communicate with people was through digital channels. So that even more put the pressure on us to communicate as fast as possible all the new information that we have through social media channels. So that was a big change for us and a positive change. And I know that it's not always the case in in public sector that I think that understanding and need is growing but it's not there yet. So that's definitely one thing. And another learning is, as you also just reflected that our team is small, but what is the advantage of that team is that you can actually test your skills, do more of like what you like more. I mean, there are things that we all have to do, whether we like it or not, like in any job, but We do have a bit of more freedom to experiment on like with different skills on what we would like to do and how. And also it's important to embrace those different skills that we we have on the, I think most important lesson is to always say the truth. Even if it's not the good news, even if you make an error, it's always good to admit it. Otherwise uh, it'll come back and it's going to be even worse. I mean, I did say at the beginning, there's no space for errors because it's always human lies, of course, but we are all also humans and everyone makes mistakes. Also, when we are for so long in this crisis and pandemic and working on many occasions 24-7, so errors can happen, but it's also way better to admit it yourself. Some of the other lessons in terms of social media, I would say definitely, as we highlighted listening to your followers and what are their needs, but also listening beyond your followers on what are the conversations. I mean, quite often listening to some other accounts or like channels, uh, it's when you get the ideas. And also it's how you see what's trending. It's actually looking into different accounts that had some very catchy visuals in terms of simple design, but like very strong colors in contrast. It's something that we picked up earlier this year and started testing on our accounts. And we realized that actually that works way better than having icons and like drawings that explain what we are saying, that actually just simple tile with text with strong color works. And I assume as well, when you scroll through the news feed, it's something that sticks out, you can't miss it. So again, listening, be ready to be flexible to continuously adapt into what are the new that that are out there on social media. Also be ready to uh, start new things. and you mentioned their algorithms change, there are new features, something that we embraced this year and started doing our Twitter spaces and that's been doing really well for us. We have quite high listening numbers or like uh, listeners throughout whole sessions that we do. It also gives us opportunity to have more speakers at the same time. So it is something that, and for example, Clubhouse for us wasn't so easy to start as it was a separate platform. So having it on Twitter, it worked way better for us because this, we have a big presence, we have a big following. So just using a new feature on existing platform was way, way easier for us in terms of management and to test and try. So I guess, yeah, th- these are some of the lessons that I would say, importance of leadership uh, and empowerment of leadership. And also what leadership empowered us is to collaborate with social media platforms, which is not very common for public sector or or UN agencies. And that helped a lot, especially during the pandemic. Embracing different skills in your team, listening, flexibility, and being agile to, to, to adjust. I would say maybe these are the the few, and of course,
0: speak the truth Mm -hmm. um, all the time. Thank you. I I appreciate that you brought up visual content into this because it's going to transition perfectly into the next question for us. But I like how you said that strong colors have a way of reeling people in. And I love that you're experimenting. I think the only way to know what's going to work and what's not going to work is by experimenting. And so you're doing that. Uh, But Let's go back to visual content and specifically user-generated content. So I, I see and I've noticed that you, the World Health Organization, they use hashtags. You use hashtags on Instagram, on Twitter, wherever you see it. There's always a hashtag either on the bio or attached to a campaign. And so what happens here is like you, you start getting people to tag this right? So why do you think it's important to have these hashtags? And specifically, why do you think it's important to invest in user-generated content?
1: I mean, we want to be a part of the conversation that's in particular, if it's trending. So it's important for us to be part of that when it comes to pandemic. However, we are in a We have a bit of a strict strategy when it comes to hashtags. Uh, We have our colleagues across the organization asking us to have a hashtag for everything. And we are always like, no. (laughs) So we prefer using the hashtags that are already out there, that the conversation is ongoing and in particular, as I mentioned, if it's trending. So that there is already interest and conversation and we're part of that. Creating new specific hashtag for everything, it's not something that really works because not people, don't know what exactly we're talking about won't be part of it so unless it's already like a subject hashtag we like to use subject hashtags so the people who are already discussing about that subject can find it, can find our information more easier or if it's a campaign and in particular if it's some like short and sweet attractive hashtag then we do really like to use this type of hashtags. Otherwise, super specific, super long. It's something that we really don't find useful. I mean, it doesn't really bring us engagement. It's too specific and it's done for a particular and it's often UN public policy or scientific bubble that really doesn't go beyond the community. And given that our account is reaching global audiences and it's not really
0: effective for us to use such. Interesting, I, I, I appreciate that response because Going into your perspective, it's not sustainable to create a a hashtag for every single thing you do, but it is a good way to jump into conversations or to have maybe a handful of hashtags for the wealth organization where people can tag and then you can go in there and look for content that you can reshare. You can go back into the whole social listening component, like what are people talking about? What are their questions So just to add on to that, it's a really good way to understand um, people and what they're thinking about and whether or not they even want to engage with you in the first place. I I appreciate that. Thank you for your feedback. So I'm extremely curious to hear what the future of marketing looks like from your lens.
1: From my lens, I think that public sector needs more space. Advertising is really growing, and uh, WHO, in a way, has been lucky that we, due to this big crisis and the pandemic, we've received support, including the ads, credits, to reach people with, with COVID information. But this hasn't been the practice before so much, and it probably wouldn't be a regular practice. And I know that my colleagues in other UN agencies or NGOs are really struggling because on certain platforms, the advertised space is growing so much that organic traffic is really not getting enough attention. And in some platforms, I, I also noticed that our non-COVID content, despite we are not boosting all our COVID posts, but still non-COVID content in having way lower engagement. And that's something that I'm worried about. Having in mind that this digital space is, yes, for all for marketers to make the best use of it. Their targets, KPIs, and audiences. There is a group of us working in the public sector who also need to use this space to reach people with information that are not necessarily really about products and services, but it's a public it's an advice whether it's health, whether it's environment or other social issues. And we don't have enough space or that space is going, getting lower. So I don't know, I'm not sure th- this is the discussion like to talk to other colleagues and like leave us the space because it's not them who are setting the algorithm but it's maybe call out to platforms to think about this as they are increasing that advertising space that there has to be a space for public sector to be very visible and I think for certain information, probably every user should see them because it, is, it may be a life-saving information. So th- there is definitely a good advantage as well of using ads. And as I mentioned, some of those brand lift studies that we've done, it's something that we can do with organic traffic. So it's another level of learning for us on how effective campaigns are, how effective our message is and then looking how to broaden the team that helps us to make them more effective, looking into advice from social scientists, from someone else who works on misinformation or universities, academia. So this is something, how we are expanding the process uh, to make our messages and content more effective. Call it as you wish. But yeah, I think there is some worry that, the engagement that public sector. When I say public sector, I think of either public institutions or uh, NGOs. Those these type of organizations that don't have big budgets to use advertising space. So, I mean, our team has zero budget for everything. Like even the visuals that are produced, they don't come from the budget from our team. Advertising space is in-kind donation. We would never have a budget to pay for it. We operate with very limited resources, and we have a huge task to reach people with information that they need. And I'm hoping for a digital ecosystem that's inclusive and more how we share it between the advertised case and using it for uh, profit purposes and also using it for
0: nonprofit purposes. I've never thought about it that way how i don't want to say that the public sector is suppressed but you do have information that you need to get in front of people and it is tough right if organically to get there and if you don't have the resources to invest in paid ads then it just makes it even more tough to do that so that's definitely something to think about
1: and and don't get me wrong i think it's also great that platforms are expanding uh, sales features, ads features, et cetera, because also it gave small businesses and crafters to sell their products. And it's also probably a good way to boost the economy in some places, because if you look into this crisis, many people lost their jobs and uh, they had to be creative to find ways to for their income. And social media is a very good place to Find people who are interested in your product or a service. So it is great. But I am I'm just now using the opportunity maybe to flag that I know from some colleagues that are really struggling who are only using organic traffic. I know from the data that I can see now, because as I mentioned at the beginning, we have headquarters, we are global channels, and we have big presence. And our organic traffic is high, and it has always been high because health is uh, of everyone's interest, but it's not the case for every NGO or UN agency or public sector institution. So it is but it is still important for them to reach people in their well communities, countries or regions. And I know that our regional offices had very small organic traffic. If we didn't have this in-kind support in ads, like their reach wouldn't even be visible when we do the graphs and compare organic versus paid like the organic is invisible for us headquarters it's ball high and it's kind of like equal depends on on the moment. but it's not the case for every organization and uh, in particular if they are covering like smaller areas so it is important to have this space inclusive for different needs and, and purposes and Again, we've worked with platforms quite a lot on developing features, not just using ads, but developing new centers, dedicated pages, prompts on the platform, but this has been pushed with COVID. We've done some things before COVID on vaccines and vaccine information, but looking from the health lenses, and we said at the beginning, there's so many different health issues, this really needs to expand. It can't be just because we are now in the pandemic and in the crisis many people suffer from many other diseases way more than I mean non-communicable diseases kill over 40 million people a year so it is something that we could use social media and digital channels to help people more with protecting themselves from risk factors. And this is where the power of social media could be like creative way, campaign way, influencers, et cetera. So maybe I'm using this chance as well to invite different influencers who are interested in different health issues to join us in promoting public health advice or work with us on certain campaigns would we'll be really happy.
0: Yeah, that'd be incredible. Anything to get the word out really is, I mean, it's such an important... Uh, organization that you're a part of. And so I I really do hope someone listens to this and reaches out to you and helps you expand that. But then also going back to user-generated content, it's also a really good way to, if you started a campaign around that, it's also a really good way to get your existing audience to engage. But like me saying it is easier said than done, of course, and we can talk about it on the side or anything, but there's a lot you can do there. To get people to to engage more with your with your organization so i'm super excited just disclaimer really excited to hear how the, you played a role in developing these new centers i again like i didn't even think about it but it's true like you go on twitter and you see it immediately all that information but there's still so many different layers that the World Health Organization has to go through in order to get the message across. I just hope all social media platforms listen to this and do what they can to help organizations like yours. I'm excited for the future.
1: Um, Me too. too. And I mean, I want to say thank you to platforms for making those steps, but I also need to invite them to help us do more.
0: Oh yeah, totally. And let's do it. Let's get them to help. (laughs) Let's do it. Yes. So I'm going to ask you something personally, just really quick. Like I'm, I mean, you're dealing with a lot. You have a lot of diseases, a lot of social media platforms, a small team. How do you wind down from a long day of work? At the beginning of the, I mean, I, I love
1: uh, rollerblading. Oh. I mean, not a, now it looks like a big, big beginning, but I think in spring 2020, my, my thing was that I come home from work and like I go for a ride and then I come back. Then I think I did quite a bit of hiking last summer because we couldn't travel anywhere. So in, within Switzerland, I did a bit of hiking that I never done before, but it really helped to spend some time in nature and like uh, on a Sunday, forget a little bit about work. But I mean, it's often that you can't really disconnect because also if you disconnect, then it's harder to catch up with what is with what is going on. And I think somehow it helps you a little bit to keep an eye on things like what's happening and if you really need to react.
0: Because
1: as I've said, it's about people's lives and you have that adrenaline that drives you when you're in a such crisis and so many people are affected or infected every day and many die. And many don't have access to a vaccine or to oxygen or like to all those tools that would save someone's life so it is something that really drives you to like get up in the morning and go to work stay long and uh, finish when, when the work is done so I think yeah it's been a big drive for me personally but I do try to do things that are include some physical activity to just like
0: disconnect and do something
1: for myself.
0: I, I interviewed someone, his name is Ryan Pena from Be The Match, and he had a very similar response to you, that like you can't really disconnect because it's people's lives that are at stake. I, I totally understand that. But on the topic of, of you rollerblading, that is incredible. I, let me just Throw in a little disclaimer here. It's funny to say that because I'm getting married and I've been wanting to rollerblade for a while now. And I'm like, I am not going to break a leg right before the wedding. So I'm going to start after. I'll consider you mentioning this as my cue to go do that. So I'll let you know in the future how that goes.
1: <laughs> First, congratulations on 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 your you. engagement and, and upcoming wedding. And uh, we need more good news. And then I definitely recommend rollerblading.
0: So I look forward to hear from you. How did that go? <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know. What advice do you have for people who are trying to get into a similar role like yours or, or work with a company like the World Health Organization? What would you tell them?
1: Uh, I think, uh, and especially with from a social media angle, I think you really need to love this job because it is demanding. And you can have a time management on how you, when you do your work, when you have your time, but with health and emergencies and social media in combination, you have to, in a way, accept that you need to be flexible and adjusting your plans or like not getting stressed when you're like trying to have something with friends, but you need to check a tweet or like be late for a friend's birthday because you do have a tweet or something came up and you need to do it. So in a way, I think the most important thing is to be the passionate to be passionate about the cause uh, and to love your job. And then you can really invest yourself and, and have results because it is stressful. It is time consuming and demanding. Attention to detail is important. So I think these are the two things. You need to be passionate about the cause and to love the job.
0: Definitely. Exactly. And you need to be agile. And you mentioned this earlier. You need to be super agile when it comes exactly. to social media. So, so what are you excited about or looking forward to? So I'm looking forward to
1: next year. I mean, we are in this entering this third year of the pandemic. And I am hoping and exciting to maybe try new things in next year. We we are trying to revise our strategies to be for to have a strategy that actually has a plan for customized plan for each platform and to invest more in uh, video vertical formats something that's really more trending for young audiences so whether we'll success or not we'll see but i'm excited about some of those new things that we are looking for and other things as well, we, we've talked about influencers and we have leaders in the organization and experts in the organization who are very inspiring and, and amazing experts in their fields. So I'm hoping as well that we'll find more creative ways to hear, to see their voices on social media. So these are maybe like two directions of, on which I'm excited about work next year. And there's definitely more and more to come in terms of addressing health misinformation, whether it's to work with platforms, but also expanding our research and work with, with academia on this so that we can understand more patterns that are happening there and how to address them.
0: I love that you mentioned the experts in your organization. That right there is a the perfect example of employee-generated content, just for those listening employee-generated content is just as effective as user-generated content. You'll see more engagement from turning your own experts into thought leaders because people want to hear from those uh, involved in the organization. There's no better resource, really, than those working in the organization. So kudos to you for for definitely thinking about that. I think it's uh, incredibly important to do that. And then just having... Your content planned, that is a dream for everyone because we all know <laughs> we're all scrambling or trying to figure it out. So, so definitely wishing you the best there and hoping you you get a good strategy in place for 2022 and beyond. And before we end this conversation, is there anything that you maybe want to add?
1: I mean, first, thank you for, for having me. It is my pleasure and yeah, maybe I'm just hoping that next year will be better for us all uh, in in terms of the pandemic and, and health and, and work and engagement. And that I am really hoping that this sphere of work that we are doing now will expand and that we'll have more opportunities for different marketers to connect and share experiences and share the space more efficiently for everyone. So I think that would be my hope for for next year.
0: Thank you for listening to Future of Marketing. Future of Marketing is a companion podcast to the acclaimed Future of Marketing newsletter. More than 20,000 marketing leaders find resources, strategies, and analysis in this free weekly blast. Sign up today at futureofmarketing.tintup.com. Your likes, reviews, and shares help us grow please rate us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until next time, keep your eyes on the future of marketing.